It's two redheads ready to return to racing, talking about racing. Guess what's happening this weekend, Andrew Curland? Jason Schultz, we're going back racing at Darlington. There will be race cars on the racetrack. That is correct. I'm glad you figured that out, but very exciting to get back to seeing things happen. Just seeing anything happen on the racetrack will be fun. I know. It's it's going to be nice. You know, I think iRacing, it served Fake its purpose. Racing. It served its purpose to keep people kind of entertained at home while we wait for the real thing to return. But it's going to be so nice to have stuff on the line again, points yeah. on the line, a championship back on the line at Darlington. And, and just to hear the real roar of the engines again, it's going to be really refreshing. Through the TV. Through the TV, yes, of course. Yes. Unfortunately, we, we won't be at the racetrack probably for the foreseeable future, but just being able to see it will be cool. Um, we'll probably be still at our homes, but now that you're done with school for the semester, you probably have nothing else to do besides pay attention to the racing. Yeah, a- and we're going to get racing every day of the week for at least two weeks, which is pretty cool. I love that. I love being able to like sit down every single night and be like, what yeah. are we watching? You know? Yeah. That's all right. I think, and, and this is kind of a, a lucky experiment NASCAR got themselves into with midweek racing race. and weeknight racing. I think that could be really cool and, and, and possibly something for the future. What if we kicked off the season with just like an overload of literally just like this two weeks of racing somewhere and just like, you know, get everyone excited for it again? Clearly, you didn't listen to Steve Phelps on the Dale Jr. download because he was talking about the idea of weeknight primetime races and how big of an opportunity that is and i'm kind of surprised nascar hasn't tried it until this point like there he was talking about how cool and how much they've wanted to but now they've got the perfect opportunity but like when were they going to try it regardless but that would be cool to see um well since during the last couple months since there was no real sports i've been watching the michael jordan documentary i know you have been too i'm literally it's and we're recording on sunday so we got an hour and a half till the next the episode seven and eight i have been so enthralled by that that's been so fascinating and i know you have a more personal connection your dad worked for the chicago bulls during the dynasty but like that has been such a cool thing to watch yeah i know i've loved watching the last dance it's like i think what i've really enjoyed about it is and i'm upset because i never got to see michael jordan play in person and this and i never really knew it was like like to watch him i know you too but like it's so cool to go inside his mind and see it. And, of course, yeah, my dad yeah. has – he worked for the Bulls during the 90s, during the height of the championships, and he's got some really cool stories. At one time he had to wake up Michael Jordan for a make-a-wish appearance, and he had to, like, walk in the locker room right past Jerry Krause, who's, like, shooting him lasers. <laughs> like, who is this guy walking in the locker room? And he had to go wake up the greatest basketball player of all time which he could always have on his uh, resume. And he made it in the last episode. He was in it. Oh, really? Yep. I've been looking for him. I haven't. Maybe I just missed that. He was within the first two minutes of episode six, right when there's a bunch of screaming kids um, like running towards <laughs> Michael. He's like right behind his shoulder. Nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I really think, I don't know how interested our listeners will be. Maybe they can tweet us. But like if we had your dad on just to talk about – basket like that is completely not our brand but like i am so fascinated with that whole dynamic learning about it now 
considering the Patriots have been the you know the dynasty we grew up kind of watching, I, I'm so interested in how that dynasty formed, how it went, and how it collapsed, like all that stuff. So what's really interesting is there are a couple other people who work in NASCAR and, and some high-up executives used to work alongside my dad during the 90s at the Bulls. Um, so it, it's kind of cool. Well, we could talk to them. We could have them on the show. Maybe we maybe we could do a NASCAR Last Dance crossover. Yeah. yeah. No, that would be awesome. Especially maybe after it finishes up. That would be awesome to get that. Yeah. Look at us come up with content ideas. Let's do it. All right. Today, we want to, before we go back to the racetrack, and we have real racing to talk about in a couple weeks, and um, we'll be busy talking about that stuff. Last episode, we kind of told how we started working in NASCAR, the first kind of half of our careers, but like the kind of the really early stages. And we were thinking we would tell the, you know, the rest of it before we get go back going, finish this content concept we had up and talk about kind of how we started, you know, working at the track for these professional organizations and kind of like how, how that works. And I really hope people that are interested in working in NASCAR will listen to this and kind of like get an idea of like there are numerous paths to go down, but we found a path and it worked. And so kind of wanted to share that and tell some stories. And I'm hoping to learn some stuff about how you started and you'll learn some stuff about how I did. Yeah, no, absolutely. Part two of the series. Uh, I feel like we're doing last dance yeah. too, <laughs> you know, we, we, Episode one or two. we start with the ending. Then we go back to beginning and <laughs> take little flashes back to the ending. <laughs> yeah. We could have scripted it all off and be like, all right, we're doing this in 2019, but then let's flash back to 2013 while we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. little bit. Then let's go to 2017, but then back to 2016, but then up to 2018. <laughs> Like I don't hate that. People on social media seem to hate that. But, no, like, I I'm think fine with it. I, li- I yeah. like how I like how they format it. But um, yeah, so yes. unlike the last dance, we'll go in chronological order. So we, yeah, what I year are we start with? Thing, I think I'm going to start with 2014. Off. So my first ever real professional opportunity in NASCAR was working with Drive for Autism, which was a celebrity golf tournament that takes place before Dover Race Week in every May, and it's um, an Autism Delaware puts on the that was the company i worked for and they have a bunch of nascar drivers and broadcasters and other sports stars from the kind of like mid-atlantic region come to delaware dover delaware willington delaware to play in this golf tournament and just kind of raise money for charity and have a good time kind of stuff so 13 now nah, maybe it was 13 now i was 14 i was 14 or 15 got the opportunity got an email from deanna who runs the uh, tournament and she's like hey love your social media stuff um we're looking for some social media coordinators for our golf tournament and then she explained what it was i'm like yeah i've definitely heard of that and it was like this is crazy and she's like yeah you just get to go up and like interact with all the drivers and get social media content and i was like as a 15 year old i think at the time i was like like no way i get to like talk to the driver and like do social media (laughs) like that's literally what i at that time was like so into and i love that kind of stuff so fast forward 2014 got to go to dover for the um, for the weekend third drove down thursday missed some school but this was a big huge career opportunity it was yeah. Like, yeah t- totally taken it i know you've done a lot of stuff while you're in high school but i wasn't really doing that much but like this was like for sure gotta do it went down to the golf tournament and got to work covering social media and it was a private golf tournament so it's only the you know the golfers who are drivers and broadcasters and all the big personalities in the sport pretty much and then um some other people that come to to help support the cause and so i got to go around on golf cart all day taking pictures of drivers and be like hey um, hey, Danica Patrick, I'm Jason Schultz. I'm doing social media for your drive for autism. Do you mind if I take a couple pictures of you while you're playing? She's like, yeah, sure. No problem, Jason. You're my best friend. Like, whatever you want to do. She said that. Yep, exactly. How is she, how really is she these days? 
You keep really you keep good. In touch. Really good. Happy. No, Happy. yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so that was like I was 16 and getting to do social media content. And it was like that time. So, of course, we talked about Twitter was different uh, last episode. But that time, Twitter was still pretty, like, unique. And people were – any content of drivers in a different setting really took off. So we were able to capitalize and do a lot of great stuff. So so I can't even remember all the people I talked to, like Larry Mack, Daryl Waltrip, Mike Joy, um, Clint Boyer, Jeff Gordon. Like, like pretty much every driver in the cup field would, would go to that tournament and play. So – Six-year-old Jason being surrounded by that—that that was like my first opportunity, and I was blown away. It's funny how, like, you look at that now. It's like, oh, that'd be a really cool gig, but you know, I've got yeah. like big plans. But like, when they're first starting out, like, that is yeah. everything, and it's yeah. like just to have that one chance and opportunity is like, oh my gosh, you gotta drop everything. And yeah, missing school—it's so worth it on so many levels. Yeah. I, I, I like probably, your teachers would say no, but like. It's you know like this is gonna take me way farther than anything I'm learning in school. At least for my teachers, you explain yeah. them what they're doing. They're like, oh my god, why are you even showing up to class? Oh, really? Like, no, they were. That was really nice. Yeah. Is they were they were supportive most of the times. Like, oh, this is a great opportunity. You know, like, and I was always I always made it point like you know, I I gotta be ahead of the work. If I can literally like mm. get next class done before the end of this class is like yeah. what I do often, but. It's just randomly reminded me when you were talking about the year and Twitter. When did Periscope really take off? Because oh, I remember I was really big on Periscope right when it took off. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like 2015. It I think it was right like around that. 2014, beginning 2015. Yeah. I remember with Periscope, I would watch Mike Bagley and Pete Bastoni. They would mm. do like the morning drive every day. And then yeah. they, Mike Bagley especially, would just do the most random, like, we're out at dinner like hey say hello yeah. to the whole mrn gang <laughs> and i remember we were walking through michigan one time and like we were periscoping and ran into mike bagley and like oh hey mike what's up you gotta start at the periscope and he's like all right fine he fired it up like right in front of us <laughs> and i don't know what reminded me of that but yeah random before that i was caught on one of their periscopes one time at this golf tournament they were in a commercial break you know just kind of doing their thing between their yeah. segments or whatever when they were doing it live from the golf tournament and I was going to take some pictures and like, you know, get some content of them doing it. And I tripped up the stairs walking <laughs> towards them and then it was on the film. No way. Yep. Not my proudest moment. It was like two stairs too. It wasn't like a set of stairs. What it was year like was two this? stairs. It was, it, that would have been 2014, 2015. Oh. I might have a video. I might have to go find it for you. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can scroll back far enough. Yeah. Like I wonder if it was on Sirius XM's account or if it was one, on one of their accounts. Do you have anything to share from 2014, 2015, or I'll share one more thing, and then we can jump to 2016? Like, last time we talked, you were, like, interviewing Carl Edwards in the garage, and you were young, and kind of started, went to the media tour. Like, what was the next step? Yeah, I'll start with 15, because I think that I left off the end of 14. 15 was a good year just to, like, get started. Like, we had, mm. I, I don't know why, but it's always, like, you could see our evolution through our apparel. It's weird. <laughs> um, at Chicagoland... Yeah the last like race that we were doing it on our own without NASCAR. Like we had black checkered flag crew polos mm. start of 2015 was the start of finally like the era of the red shirt, the red polo, which I guess has kind of turned into my brand. It's like, I don't know why it's just red's my favorite color. So we had Matches red polos at the beginning of 2015. That's kind of how I remember it. Um, 
I remember we walked up to Joey Logano in Daytona. That was the year he won the 500. And um, asked. I remember asking Kyle Zimmerman, who I did not know at the time, his PR guy, hey, can we grab Joey? And he said yes. So we interviewed him, and then Jamie Little filmed us on the Fox practice broadcast and, like, showed, like, this is the checkered flag crew. So, like, getting kind of that, like, initial exposure was cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we built a bunch of that up throughout the year so yeah i guess i guess i covered 2015 for the most part so we can we can jump to 16 if you want yeah. the last thing that 2015 i did that golf tournament thing again in 2015 so here was my second opportunity to do this going you know way more confident this time doing additional content kind of stuff and just having fun just going like around and talking with these drivers and pr reps and it was like a lot of networking too i wasn't just doing the social media i was kind of just trying to get to know people and get to talk to people um, Larry Mack became one of my favorite people easily because I think I met him in like 2012 at Bristol and he had followed, I talked about how he followed me on Twitter, which was so random, like really early on. <laughs> and then he knew me like every time, every time I would see him in the garage, even today, he'd be like, Oh, Hey Jason, what's going on? Like just for like, and that was, I was 15, 16. So for him to like recognize me and know my name, I was like, Larry Mack, no way. So like that just became a cool thing to be at that golf tournament, making content. And their thing is, and you talked about, how he kind of got comfortable in 2015 doing the interviews and stuff, like getting reps and anything oh you my do. God. Like by that second year of doing social media at a, go- at a live golf tournament covering an event kind of thing, which I ended up doing a lot more when I was in college. But that is just such so crucial, that experience. Yeah. And so like being more comfortable, going up to people and asking for content, doing creative things, like that's what that golf tournament really helped me do. And um, that was like the, the space of like social media kind of, content and stuff and just being able to grow from there and learn from stuff and at the time you don't realize you're doing it but you're getting such a good base of knowledge and experience like you're and that's what you need to do to start anything yeah and with reps it, this is at least for me i don't know why but i'm just like geared and wired this way mm. and i i think it's it works to my advantage a lot of the times like i don't often dwell on past accomplishments it's always like you enjoy it in the moment. You yeah. can celebrate it a little bit the day and then the days following. But then it's like, all right, I'm only as good as the next one. And then you just yeah. keep working towards the next one, which has fueled me since 14. It's like you look at what you did last race. All right, that was great. That was awesome. We got a good mm. base. But, like, you're only as good as the next interview, yeah. the next question. And I think that was the mentality I took into 16, which – we took a bunch of big jumps and, and made yeah. a lot of progress. So let's move the timeline to 2016. All right. So talk about some of those jumps. Of course, I know you were at the Daytona 500 that year when Denny Hamlin barely edged out Martin Shooks Jr. So that was probably a crazy way to start the year. And It was crazy. It was my first 500 interview, which was cool. And I think I was one of the first people to show Denny Hamlin a picture of the photo finish, if not the first one, which was really cool. And then I think this was the following year, but it's just reminded me of photo finishes. What was the closest finish in NASCAR history? The one that Elliot Sadler just oh, lost yeah, out that on? Was Tyler 20, Reddick, right? I think it was 2018, yeah. Okay, I know for fact I was the first person to show Tyler Reddick a picture of the photo finish, which was, like, cool. It's like a, a historic yeah. moment, the first person to show the driver that, which was neat. Um, but I guess the biggest thing in 2016 was it, it happened right, I think it was – Let's think. Sophomore year of high school, right when I was starting out, mm. it was literally the first day of class. I'm looking at pictures right now. 
August 22nd, 2016 was the first day of high school and I was not there. And I was stressing out because I was like, oh man, like you can't miss the first day. Like you got to yeah. be there. You're not, you don't want to be the kid that like literally didn't show up to class the first day. But NASCAR called me to Charlotte to sit down and host a press conference with Brennan Poole, John Hunter Nemechek to announce the kids ticket program, which is, and it's still up to this day where kids 12 and under are free to all NASCAR Xfinity and NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series races. I've got that one memorized. (laughs) Hashtag ad. Hashtag ad. But, um, yeah, I was there and and hosting the press conference. I remember just being so nervous about it. And then after that was done, um, I was handed an NBC microphone and interviewed Brennan Poole for NASCAR America right after that. It was the coolest experience. So then I go and I do my first week of classes and I can't believe I almost did not do this, but they emailed me back. They said they liked the NBC interview for NASCAR America so much that they wanted me to go to Michigan and do something for the broadcast. And I literally remember almost not going because it was over something really stupid. Was, I, was, I was like really stressed out about school because like I didn't understand a bunch of concepts that I like missed on the first day. I was almost not going to go because I needed to catch up on my school Do you remember those work. concepts now? Uh, I was like... No, don't, don't, don't think about it. Just move on. It was some sort of algebra thing. <laughs> stupid, yeah. But then I go to Michigan and I get in an NBC fire suit, which was like my ultimate dream. Like I've always wanted to wear a fire suit around in like the NBC gear and I interviewed Chase Elliott for the pre-race show in Michigan and it was really cool that was awesome I do remember I think this is about the time I started following you on Twitter so I remember those kind of things and especially that like the one for that press conference like you were like the man at the press conference it was kind of like looking and you were a sophomore in high school running a press conference for NASCAR yeah that's pretty crazy it was it was a crazy couple weeks and um I don't know. It's just like you look at all that. It's like, how on earth, like, did I get to do this kind of thing? Yeah, but the time you were on NBC during the broadcast was a year later, right? Or was that no? That was 2016. Oh, and then duh, this is the most important part of the story. But so the whole thing was for Acceleration Nation, and so I did the press conference for Acceleration Nation, and and then the Chase Elliott interview. It was Kids Drive NASCAR. I plugged Acceleration Nation without anyone asking me, and I remember. <laughs> Like, they were so thrilled that I mentioned the mobile app and stuff like that. So I think those couple of weeks helped propel me into 17, working alongside NASCAR and Acceleration Nation, doing stuff that I continue to do today. And Jason. And Jason. Jason Schultz. Exactly. That's me. So my 2016, so you were a sophomore in high school. I was a senior in high school. I was graduating that. Or or that was your freshman. You were probably a freshman in the start of 2016 and then sophomore. Yeah. Okay. So I was finished up my senior year in that spring. And of course, this rule didn't apply to you, but applies to pretty much everyone else. You have to be 18 to go to cover a race as a media member. And so I was turning 18. Huh. And you didn't know, you didn't even know that? I genuinely oh just found that out. <laughs> God, like that was a rule. Like you literally, I don't think there's exceptions except for you. You are literally the only exception that I've ever seen. So the countdown for... All those years writing articles for popularspeed.com, doing my blog stuff, doing that golf tournament thing. The countdown was to turn 18 so I could go to a race as a media member. Mm. So turned 18 in February that year. 
And then my first race I was planning, um, it was Dover, Dover International Speedway. And in May, I was going to do the golf tournament again. But the really cool thing about that year's Dover race is the Drive for Autism golf tournament became the co-sponsor of the cup race. So I got credentialed as a media member to do social media at the track on mm-hmm. behalf of the sponsor, co-sponsor of the race, which for an 18-year-old, I'm like, well, like, this is insane. Like I'm the one in the media center doing content for them. And that was like my favorite, it was my first time in the media center. I think literally, this is so weird. I, I didn't know this. I didn't know this guy. Walked in the media center on Friday for the first time race weekend, walk in the media room, and Carrie Tharp, who was the head NASCAR guy at the track at that point, was like the first one to greet me, like, hey, welcome. I'm like, oh. I'm 18. And like, he was so cool and so nice, but I'm like, I wonder what he's thinking as, like, who's this kid walking in here? But clearly, uh, but it was just a cool moment, that to be like the first moment. Like like welcome to the NASCAR media world. Like that Carrie was Tharp kind of reaches his hand out. That's yep. great. So that was cool, and that wasn't the only cool thing that happened that day. That day, um, of course, I had been a big fan. Oh, I even talk about this. So podcasting, which is a huge part of my story too. I kind of started doing that in like 2013, 2014, just doing a one-off podcast with my friend Garrett. We would just do them because they're fun and they're cool to do. And at that time, not everyone was doing a podcast. So it was kind of still unique. But we were big fans of Ryan McGee and Marty Smith, who did a Marty McGee podcast, which was incredible for years. And then I started learning about Dirty Mo Media and Dirty Mo Radio in 2014. And that was like my first introduction to them. And I started listening to Kelly Earnhardt's podcast and became a huge fan of podcasts and everything Dirty Mo was doing around 2014. And then I was like, this is cool, cool podcasting about racing. How awesome. So I started doing some of that stuff with Garrett, like I mentioned. And I started doing some other like online radio shows too, which was like once a week doing a two-hour radio show with a couple other people, which reps-wise for podcast, that was great, critical. Yeah. Like that was awesome. So back 2016, Dover Media Center, Friday of race weekend, Mike Davis is at the track. And I'm like, well, I really wanted to meet him anyway, just because he runs the, my at that time, like Dirty Mo Media was my favorite thing. Like their podcasts, their videos, I would watch every single one. I would consume them. I was a huge fan. And so I saw it was a rain delay actually. And Mike was just sitting in the media center. I think he just gotten up or sat back down or something. So nervous as, <laughs> oh my God, I was so nervous to walk and just like, cause he's Dale Jr.'s like head brand guy. Like this is a pretty high level guy who probably doesn't have time for an 18 year old who just wants to have a conversation. But I built up the courage throughout the day to go walk up to Mike Davis and introduce myself and tell him how much I love Dirty Mo Media and Dirty Mo Radio. And then my next step was explaining how I'm about to move to Charlotte to start school at UMC Charlotte. And I I really, really um, want to work in sport and that kind of stuff. And that I do have a lot of podcasting experience. I'm like, if you ever need anyone to fill that role, like I'm, I could do it. I could do it. So we had like a 20 minute conversation about that, what he wants to do, what Dirty Mount Radio wants to do. So that was kind of like my introduction to him. And that led eventually to my job that I got the next year starting with them and led to me to where I am today. So like that first getting to that racetrack, working for that golf tournament for the co-sponsor of the race, getting me credentials, turning 18, <laughs> all that, that one day, that one moment at the racetrack completely changed the projection of my life. And that what a day. <laughs> was insane. That was only the first day of the race weekend. I was so hyped. It was like, this was the best. This was literally the best. That's Everything one of the I few wanted. times where a rain delay could have possibly yeah. launched a career. Exactly. We sh- I should probably Wait. thank Mother Nature. You know what? I think that's got to be the name of the podcast because... The Daytona 2014 rain delay yeah. was the first race I started, and we had a, lo- a rain yeah. delay. So two rain delays launched two careers. 
Both That's involving it. Dale Jr. So how crazy is that? Both involving Dale Jr. He's at the center of this weird NASCAR career universe. Yeah. Um, but Crazy. you mentioned how, like, Carrie Tharp was the first to greet you. And yeah. that's that's been one of the most surprising and, and, and shocking, but yet at the same time, greatest things about the sport is how welcoming people are right away. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's always been cool to be able to form relationships with some of the NASCAR people right mm-hmm. away and have them be so nice and so accommodating. Yeah. And um, I'll give a shout-out to Matt Humphrey. Matt Humphrey is one of the best. Like, he's just so good at what he does. Mm-hmm. He literally makes you feel like whenever you ask him a question, you are the most important person in that media center at mm-hmm. that time. And he makes everybody feel that way. It is so cool. He does a really good job. So shout-out yeah. Matt Humphrey. You're the best. We got to get him on the show. He would be very yeah, entertaining. Yeah. Add, that, add that to our list. We'll add Matt Humphrey to the list because it, just a little side note on Matt Humphrey is like during the rain delays, he would announce like that the red flag would come out. And so like he would announce in the whole media center, there was a red flag out for the aggressive Florida climate. Like just the <laughs> way he would announce yeah. rain delays. So funny. <laughs> yeah, no, he'd be awesome to have on. So that awesome weekend at Dover kind of launched my media, my working as a media member at the racetrack, which the other, besides the other thing, I had been paying to be a race fan and go buying tickets to races and doing all that stuff for, at that point, like 10 years of my life. And now for the first time ever, I get to go to a race and not have to buy a ticket and be in the media center and get to cover the race and have all this access and not have to spend dime. I was like, as a 18-year-old who was broke like any other 18-year-old, I was blown away by that access to i was like oh my god i get to go to these races for free so that led me to that summer i kind of convinced my dad i didn't need to get a summer job and instead decided to travel to three races that were around the northeast and they were kind of all in a month of each other so it was like a really and of course school was starting mid-august i only had like a month and a half of summer that year so in that month and a half the pocono Watkins Glen, and new hampshire races were all taking place so i traveled solo to all these races to cover them as a media member for popularspeed.com the site i was writing for that time and that experience of going to the racetrack as a media member and interviewing reporting and like gaining experience that way that was pretty huge and there's so many stories from those weekends of people i met i remember you know david higdon he was like nascar's head um media guy or pr guy for a while and i remember walking out of the new hampshire media center of course i knew who it was and like hey just went up and introduced myself and gave him my business card and like this is what i want to do and connected with him on LinkedIn later that day. He's like, hey, thanks for coming up and talking today. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So it was like, I did that all summer. It was networking with people, um, interviewing drivers, all that stuff. That's when I actually, well, Justin Allgaier, I had met him during the golf tournament years before. And so he was like the first driver I was like comfortable going up to like asking to talk for an interview. So I interviewed him like as my first driver ever, like in the media center doing that kind of stuff. You ask him three questions and it takes 30 minutes. I love it. (laughs) I was like, this is the best ever. And he was so nice, like such a good guy. I remember I also talked to Bubba walking to the grid for qualifying or something. And his PR rep was Michael Campbell, who now works at JRM, which is just funny. Like at the time I was like so intimidated by him, but now (laughs) it's like pretty funny. So, like, that was my summer of 2016 was starting to do that stuff, working um, at the racetrack as a media member. And then I moved to Charlotte to start school as a freshman at UNC Charlotte and actually went to Charlotte Moore Speedway. This is another funny story about that. Covered my first Charlotte race. That was the only race I covered that fall was um, the Bank of America 500 at the time. 
in Charlotte, and they had a bunch of like media events leading up to the race. Like they had the um, Better Half Dash, which is the race mm-hmm. the wives do sometimes at Charlotte before the race, and they had a practice session or something on like Tuesday night of before race weekend and they invited media to go talk to people and there were a bunch of like cup drivers there with their wives and stuff so it was like you could interview anybody you could talk to anybody i'm just kind of shy like 18 year old freshman at college just walking around and stuff but then i'm like well brad koslowski's here like that'd be pretty cool to talk to brad and so this is so weird i can't like that is such like a awkward (laughs) situation so brad was walking i think with his father or maybe his um wife's father like across the front stretch and i was out there just taking pictures and stuff but i kind of saw them walk out there so i kind of went out to take pictures just so i could catch them on the way back so he's walking back and i'm like just like oh hey brad like i'm jason i write for the site you might have asked you a few questions so brad kozlowski and i are walking down the front stretch at charlotte murray speedway i'm 18 a freshman in college and i'm interviewing him for like 20 minutes and he was super nice and like he was kind of short with his answers at first, like, who is this guy? What's he doing? But, like, that's a pretty cool memory to think back on that, like, walking down the front stretch interviewing a race car driver, like, at 18 years old. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, that, that just reminds me about, like, you talk about having to prove yourself to the media mm. and, and you know, in the media center. But so much you got to earn so much credit and respect yeah. to the drivers. Like, every single time I talk to someone new, it's like – it's like, this is my tryout for this person. Yeah. I have to be on point to gain this person's mm-hmm. respect. If I know what I'm talking about, and if it, I always, I've always been like, I can't stumble. Like, this has got to be, you know, tip top shape. I'm still that way. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I, and now I expect perfection. You know, I'm, I'm not satisfied. You've seen what happens when I screw up an interview. I said the wrong date Joey of Halloween. Logano. I can't I do said Halloween anymore. was October 21st and <laughs> Like you like just do not talk to me for like 30 to 45 minutes after that because I'm beyond upset at myself. It's like an internal competition. But yeah, yeah, you got to earn the respect of of some of these guys, which is cool. It's like every the first time it's like once you like you can tell like Brad was short. I'm sure he started extending the answers. And as you started going, as you started gaining his respect. So that's always a fun element. Who are some of the easiest drivers do you think to gain respect of that you got comfortable with? fairly quickly Allgaier I mean he was yeah, he's I mean yeah Allgaier's the best let me see gain good respect I got a lot of reps with Jimmy in 2015 so I think I gained Jimmy Johnson's respect which mm. is so wild like to even like say that sentence still and now he just texts you about advice on running half marathon so I know come a long way I know it, pretty cool um and yeah it, just a side note on Jimmy Johnson like he is genuinely a great person. Like, everyone talks about how Jimmy Johnson's a great dude. Um, yeah, so I... IPhone. Shut up, Alexa. Hey, what does Alexa want? Well, she interrupted DVC last week. Now she's interrupting our show. Unbelievable. Alexa, let's get her own mic. Just put her on. We'll add her as a guest. <laughs> I'm not saying her name because then she will go off again. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Jimmy Johnson, great dude. Yeah. Um, I We were talking in Phoenix, the last official race that we had, because I know Jimmy, I mean, obviously, he's a ridiculous athlete in everything he does, running the Boston Marathon. So I'm like, I got to ask Jimmy about this half marathon. Um, so we got to talking. Then I ran a half marathon a couple weeks ago. 
My time was 159.44. I absolutely can improve that, and I hope to in June because um, there's definitely stuff still on the table. But I texted Jimmy my time, and then, like, we got into this whole conversation. He's like, I'm more than willing to help you and give you advice on, like, what has helped me in the past. And I'm, like, literally like, oh, man, you like – and he, like, went out of his way to say that. He didn't even have to say yeah. that, which is really cool. So, Jimmy Johnson, what you see is absolutely what you get. making progress yeah that's pretty awesome to just be around these people because we grew up watching them race i know that's the craziest part working making our way and working through and gaining experience in the sport to like get to that point it's pretty cool got anything else from 2016 or we should move on we're pretty long but let's move on to the last couple years you want to just like combine 17 18 19 20 talk about your first officially working with nascar in 2017 talk about how that kind of started and then what you were doing um starting that year yeah so i mentioned like acceleration nation doing that press conference and the nbc plug propelled me into dialogue over the off season of working alongside nascar's content provider so that came to fruition and beginning of 2017 for the hall of fame ceremony i was reporting for nascar acceleration nation um we literally we didn't even have gear yet we went Hmm. to kohl's and bought polos um and went from there but 17 was a good year continued to do more cool stuff for NBC this was to this day I think the most fun I've ever had at the racetrack but in August I did two practice sessions the first one with Marty um, Marty Snyder and the second one with Kelly Stavis and I literally walked around the garage reporting for NBC doing the broadcast mm. they have me like going to a bunch of different things and, and like just live and working and adapting to the situation. Mm. Put this into context. This is where Christopher Bell was a standby driver for Denny Hamlin, who is waiting to have his second daughter, I think. I'm pretty sure. And I was sitting in that garage watching Christopher Bell get ready, and I'm like, you know what? Hey, I'm broadcast now. I went up to Christopher Bell. I'm like, hey, can we ask you a couple questions? And this was totally like just (laughs) me. So I, I take the little button on the side of my belt. I radio to the truck. Hey, I've got Christopher Bell. And they're like, we'll send a camera. So, wow. and then I, I interviewed Christopher Bell for the NBC broadcast, which was really neat. And then did something with Rutledge on race day. And it was just like, and it's all starting to come together. So that, that was definitely a highlight for 17. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Obviously your highlight was when we met in 2017 at the NASCAR Hall of Fame and then got to hang out at Daytona. But we'll get back to that in a sec. But that Rutledge thing was on the broadcast, right? Yes. I remember that, and this was random. I think some of my family one day, because we had met at that point, we were friends by August that year, and they were like, "Do you know this kid? He was, there's this kid on the broadcast, like t- with Rutledge, like mid race. Do you know who he is?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's my friend Andrew." Like, kind of like, "Hey, I know him. That's pretty cool." To yeah. And like, I was just like. And you know how my kids were probably like, oh, my God, that's, like, so freaking cool. Look at him. He's on the broadcast. He's a sophomore, junior, and about to be a junior in high school. And, like, he's on NBC during a NASCAR race. This is just, like, Rutledge being professional and everything. But when we were getting ready to go, he's like, okay, we're going to start and look at this camera. Um, as soon as you see me in your peripheral vision, turn around. I want you to turn around, but turn around like counterclockwise or something like that. It was so specific, yeah. but it made sense. And then I want you to look up to that tower and look at that camera and 
go from there. And then you're going to throw it to Jeff asking him a question about the restart, and then we go from there. And it's like he, he is such yeah. a good coach, and he like coached yeah. me through the whole thing. It was cool. Maybe we could slide some audio in if we're able to find it. Time to join Rutledge Wood. Hey, Rut, who you got with you? You know, Lee, the Kids Drive NASCAR program started in Pocono, then Watkins Glen, and now it's here in Michigan, and it has brought us a real treat. This is Andrew Curlin, a fan that I met years ago, has been working really hard with NASCAR Acceleration. He's been here all weekend. You've been helping us out, being part of the broadcast, live TV. What do you think so far? Are you kidding me? This is a, a dream come true, and I told my friends that I was going to be on NBC. They didn't even believe me. But uh, I'll tell you, it's not as easy as you think back at home because there are a lot of people talking in your ear, a lot of stuff going on, but it's how could you not like this? I'm right? on NBC, right? It's been a huge summer for you. He made the JV soccer team in his school. You got your license a week ago, right? A week ago. And, you know, when I drive on the freeway, I go like 65 miles an hour when I can. You know, the speed limit. But when we're talking Michigan here, you're going 218 miles an hour upward speed. So it's insane. Jeff, what kind of speeds can you see in that car? And how crazy is it? Well, right now, it's really crazy on these restarts. We're going to see the bottom lane wasn't that bad at the initial start of the race. Let's see how it is now. Yeah, and, and what, what I like is, like, I'll see someone, like, two days before, and then mm. they'll be like, wait, you, I just saw you on our TV. Like, that, yeah. like it was cool. Um, I think if you look it up, I think the full race is on YouTube, but it is the Michigan number 2 race in 2017. Yeah going to the restart to start stage two gotcha i can't wait to have him on the show too we'll ask him about that that'll oh be man we got to that'll yeah. be that'll be cool we gotta quickly, have Rut. yeah exactly quickly my 2017 was nascar hall of fame ceremony in january that year andrew and i had been talking over the fall i think about just getting to know each other a little bit talking about doing a podcast that year and then I think maybe the, a couple of weeks before, he's like, hey, I'm going to be in Charlotte during the NASCAR Hall of Fame ceremony. Are you going to be there? And so we got to meet for the first time. And I made a story up in our friends group chat this week about how Andrew chased me through the NASCAR Hall of Fame and Richard Childress tackled <laughs> you're him. Still, you're you're still funny. going with this. I think it was funny, though. <laughs> That's like our first interaction was you chasing me around because you thought I was an idiot. But that wasn't how it happened. We got to meet, and I don't know. We just clicked really quickly, I thought. it just And we started doing podcasts a couple months later, and it was just kind of like a – really fun I don't know you find someone that's young like you and likes NASCAR it's kind of like you're gonna become friends because that's rare and it's exciting yeah I guess this is the most refreshing part is like I had no friends who like NASCAR everyone's like oh mm. you like NASCAR like what the heck so to like have a NASCAR friend it was so exciting yeah exactly and then we both were at Daytona that year I as a freshman by myself drove to Daytona actually was staying with one of my friends who had a hotel room and covered the Daytona 500 as a freshman in college I was 19, I think, by that point, and covering the Daytona 500 as a media member. Like, that was crazy. And that weekend, we got to hang out a lot. I think we spent, I don't think, I don't know, I don't think we planned to do this, but we spent a lot of time together. We watched both the races from the press box, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. On Sundays, NASCAR had a live Snapchat story, and you took a video of Clint Boyer's car going backwards down pit road, and I threw you the caption of, you're going the wrong way. It made the story history in the making we were we saw spencer gallagher up in the grandstands we went outside to see a race for a little bit and it was just some really cool just random things that like we experienced together for our first time together at the racetrack i think that's like we really cemented kind of being really good friends at that point and then later i think that i was thinking the other day we saw each other a ton at a ton of races that year in 2018 um you came to charlotte i think in 2017 for the all-star yep. race yep and 
Martinsville later that year. And um, by that point, I actually started working with Charlotte Mars Speedway, doing some social media stuff and PR stuff as an intern. So that was the first year I started doing that kind of work. I was kind of phasing out doing journalism stuff because I definitely wanted to be a social media and PR professional. So started doing some of that stuff. And that's kind of what led me to um, I'll start work for Dirty Mo Radio that February too, initially working on uh, Kelly Earnhardt's podcast, Fastlane Family as a uh, producer that year and Justin Allgaier's. Uh, JRM Upfront podcast. That was like my first intro to JRM um, doing stuff with Dreamer Sports and Dirty Mile Radio and Dirty Mile Media. Then actually halfway through that year, I started producing Door Bumper Clear. So it's kind of a quick acceleration to 19-year-old being the producer of a couple major podcasts that they were doing. So that was my 2017. And um, that kind of like set the stage for what I was doing the last couple of years and led me to what I'm doing today. Yeah. All right. So we're going to leave 18, 19, 20 mm-hmm. on a cliffhanger. What happens next? How do we get to this point for next episode? Because we're running a little bit short on time. And I'm also thinking about, uh, you know, we've been talking about how are we going to refine the podcast? Hopefully, very soon, we're going to start having guests on the show, which I would be very excited about, Um, especially just looking for new ways to create some content. Just even like to get Rutledge on and like joke around, have some fun. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'd be awesome. So um, I guess anyone listening, Tweet us who you'd like to who you'd like to hear on the podcast. We'll try and make it happen because um, you know we put the people first. Exactly, they're most people's important. podcast. Going to Darlington. Hey, Race. that's kind of weird. To, that's kind of weird to think. Didn't expect to go to Darlington in May, but we will be going there. We will have a race on Sunday, and then we will have an opportunity to talk about racing. I'm not sure how we'll do it. Maybe we'll do a show after the second race because. I don't know. We'll figure it out. There's we'll do something sh- new. Race every single day. Yeah, but we'll, we'll bring you some content. We'll bring you some interesting stuff. There's a lot to talk about, and it, it'll be fun. So I hope you enjoyed our kind of look back at our careers and how we got to this point on today's show. And, um, yeah, t- t- let us know what you think. If you think our stories are crazy or you don't believe them, just let us know. Yes. And, um, all right, Jason, where can fans block you on Twitter? Block me on Twitter at HeyJasonSchultz. <laughs> and, Andrew, where can they block you and report you for spam? You can report me for spam on Twitter at Andrew Curland TV at Andrew Curland on Instagram. Um, I would plug new stuff, but right now we are going as we expected to be at a race so far. So every basically majority of the content I've already edited and pushed out. So maybe you um, got some unique. You can come up with some unique content ideas that yes. you can do yourself. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna look and, and reevaluate and figure out what to do from here on out so stay tuned and um yeah we'll go from there over and out no we're not leaving on that see everybody (laughs) fine